When I told Elsa, she said, well, that was the best thing. Bite the bullet and move on. To be honest, I didn't think it would last. Then I said, I know. You told me that about a hundred times. She wanted to meet any guy that I was serious about. Serious at that time meant more than one date. She said, you need someone with a stronger personality. Most men were afraid of her for a good reason. You could see the determination in her look. I gave Mike a call Sunday afternoon. I told him I was heading back to Boca. Only had two classes to finish up and then I'd be done. Before I hung up, I told him I broke up with Dawn. Then Mike said real quick, I hope it wasn't because of me. Well, it was and it wasn't. He was warning me in those seven words, a don't come running to me. I would not chase after him. If he wanted to pursue, then I would. A few days ago, the same person said he was going to sweep me off my feet. Elsa said, I didn't mean to listen to your conversation, but it sounds like your next victim isn't buying. Ha ha. He will. You wait and see. I know how to play this. She actually believed me. I wasn't so sure. A lot of talk. I was excited to be finished with school, finally. I packed up my stuff for one last trip to Miami. The only trip back to Boca would be for graduation. Eighteen people were coming to dinner and the outdoor ceremony, mostly relatives. Mike said it wouldn't be appropriate for him to come. Warren Berger couldn't make it. He was busy at court. Doc would treat us to dinner and cocktails in Boca. My Aunt Florence would be in for a treat once Doc had a few drinks in him. Another aunt refused to come if Doc was attending because he tried to molest my son. Well, Doc molested me. He probably molested most of the boys in the area. The five-star restaurant treated us like royalty. The hundred-dollar bill Doc handed to the maitre d' probably had something to do with it. Drinks all around except for Elsa's boyfriend, Freddie, a teetotaler. Doc had been hitting a flask of scotch in the car on the way up. After dinner and about the time we headed to the college campus, my Aunt Florence said, Doc, thank you so much for treating my nephew and all of us to this beautiful dinner. Doc said, Thank the niggers of Perrine. I was shocked, actually had a chill down my spine. In 1971, it wasn't politically incorrect, but it wasn't appropriate. He didn't mean it in a racist way. He had boxes of cash from all the babies delivered at night in colored town. He didn't pay tax on it. It was his slush fund. Some of the money was from the husbands asking, Can you tighten it up for me? The neighbor kids would steal the hubcaps from his Cadillac. Always. Doc would send Bonnie out to fetch them. The ceremony lasted for hours. 
I grabbed my diploma along with hundreds of other kids. Once we arrived back home, it was one in the morning. Doc passed out. Elton and I drove his car and him out to his house. We dropped him in his bed and headed back home. You only graduate once. Elton and I sat around the dining table. We drank coffee and talked about what now. She loved the song, Is That All There Is? She said, Does it feel like you thought it would feel? I said, Sex with a guy? No, you know what I mean. Finished with school. Yes, it does. All I want to do now is work and make money. My boss, Barry, will send me out to other offices to introduce myself and their firm. After getting Mike from the bank in the office, Barry thinks I can bring in business. He thinks there will be a better response to a hometown boy instead of an out-of-town Jew. He's giving me $100 to buy a new three-piece pinstripe suit. He told me only to wear it while farming for new clients. You know Warren wants you to go to law school. Shouldn't you at least think about it? Could be quite an opportunity. Warren said you could go to Georgetown and then be an intern at the Supreme Court. I'm still thinking about law school. I want to work for at least a year and then decide. The last two years had been brutal emotionally, coming to terms with being a homo, having my heart stomped on, and playing straight with girls on my arm. I fooled myself and lied to myself. I did want Mike, and that meant trouble and stress for me. Mike already told me, I hope you didn't break up with that guy because of me. That's all I could think about was Mike, how we could have an apartment together, how we could drive to work together, how he could change the points and plugs in my car. He liked me and thought I was funny and sarcastic. I would not let it turn into another John experience and have my heart stomped on. Elsa told me, I don't think Mike would be good for you. He's too pushy, and in the long run, you're not going to like it. Now it's all new, and the sex is great, but that'll all fall away eventually. I looked at her with crossed eyes. I was wondering what she was conjuring up in her mind with my sex life. I can handle him. He is everything I want. He is smart. You should see him navigate his speedboat. He took it through channels in Biscayne Bay that I didn't even know existed. Super confident. And yes, he is sexy and masculine. She said, I'm warning you. When it doesn't work out, I'll be here to tell you I told you so. Elsa had another dress she was working on. All the material, sewing machine, and patterns scattered across the dining table. You need to play the field. Don't tie yourself down so quickly. You don't even know him that well. You move in with him and it's all going to be his way. He's six years older than you. Set in his ways. Kind of like your father and me. Your father was way older than me. I was determined to be with him. I had no solid plan on how to bring it about. In high school, the easiest way to go steady with a girl was to play hard to get. I'd strike up a conversation and act like I wasn't interested. 
I'd wait until she would say, hey, you're kind of cute. Once that was out, then I had a green light to ask her out. No rejection. I was rejected once for the senior prom. I wanted to take Judy out. She was pretty. She had beautiful cocoa-colored skin and long, dark hair, sweet disposition. We were in an accounting class together. I did it over the phone. Once I spilled the words out, she said, No, I already have a date. I don't remember anything after the no. My mind went in a tailspin. So on Monday, I called Mike to see if he wanted to have lunch. I planned it to be all business, and if there was going to be any getting together, he would have to make a move. I was not going to be readily available. Mike said, oh, I'd love to have lunch, and congrats on your graduation. Meet me at the bank. I want you to talk with my dad, said he remembers your dad. I said, sure, I'll be over about noon. We can go to Don Zanti's. There are a client of Goldstein and Barry said I need to support the clients. Look forward to speaking with your dad. I marched my way back to tell Barry I was going to lunch and meeting up with Paul. Barry handed me business cards with my name on them. He also gave me a $100 check for the new suit. Barry said, way to go. I've tried to meet with Paul and he won't return my calls. We think you can bring in some business. The partners have discussed it, and we will give you a bonus for any new business you bring in. He handed me a box of business cards with my name on them. I've got something else to tell you. You might want to sit down. I sat in one of the client's black leather chairs. Bill Franklin told me he heard Mickey is a homo. When Barry said homo... I was stunned. I was quickly sorting through all the thoughts coming to mind. I needed to look surprised, uninterested, clueless. I finally said, I wouldn't believe that. According to people I know, he landed in trouble with the fathers of some girls he's dated. One time, Mike had to crawl out the bedroom window. Barry said, just telling you what Bill said, he doesn't seem... Like a homo to me either. He used his hand to point me toward the door. I happily walked down the hallway to my office. I also decided I wouldn't say a thing to Mike about Barry's comment. I was on a mission to make money, get new clients, get a bonus. I would walk up and down Chrome Avenue and introduce myself and the firm. I landed at the bank, and Mike guided me over to his father's office, which was literally a hole in the wall. No doors. He wore sunglasses inside and was smoking a camel, unfiltered. Paul stood up, and Mike and I stood across from him. Paul said, I remember your dad well. He banked with us, and he knew my dad. I liked hearing people talk about my father. Charlie. Paul encouraged me to learn all I could at the accounting firm. He said, there is a lot of business in this town, and most of them use a firm in Miami. If you play your cards right, you could snag a ton of clients. 
If I were you, I would work hard, learn as much as possible in a short period, and then open your own office. He took a deep tug on the camel while fanning the smoke away from us. He then looked at the entrance doors to the bank and said, You're going to have to open both doors to get that fat ass out. Some fat woman was straddling the doors. I was pumped. I had to pass the CPA exam before anything like going into business could happen. I needed to map out how I would pull it off in a short period of time. And Barry, Barry would have a shit fit. I couldn't wait to tell Elsa that Paul was encouraging me. Mike said, I got to get back to my desk. There's a board member over there waiting for me. Call me later if you get a chance, Joe. And off he marched across the lobby. An old guy that more than likely had a shit ton of money. Maybe he could be one of my clients. I said to Paul, Hey, is that one of my future clients? Paul looked at me while waving away the smoke. Said, That old fuck over there is one of our stockholders and has money and real estate. He put a son-in-law into business and I'm sure he could swing it your way. Paul then said, I bet you boys are having some wild sex. Mickey has been in some tight spots fucking around, so be careful. When he said that, it scared me. I froze. I thought, does he know Mike and I are having sex together? So I just nodded and did a fake smile. And then he said, bet the girls are all over you too. Then he stood up, crushed his cigarette in the tray, and walked out the door to the sidewalk. I decided it best to get back to the accounting office. When I arrived back to the office, Barry had just finished dictating a letter and signaled me with his finger to come back to his office. When the secretary exited, Barry said, So, how did it go with the bankers? Did he or his dad say anything about referring business to us? There were two bags of fries and a cheeseburger scattered across his desk. Yeah, kinda, sorta. I wasn't about to say anything about him encouraging me to build up my own business. I also thought they might have hired me to bring in business they couldn't land. Maybe it had nothing to do with my abilities or future abilities. Perhaps I'd bring in a shit ton of business and they'd boot me out the door. I had to be smart about this. He said, what does that mean? He either said he would or would not. What happened? Barry had sweat forming on his forehead. It looked like he was about to blow. Yes, said there was a shit ton of business in this town. Many of the business people have CPAs in Miami. Someone knew how to pitch it. They could land many of those accounts. Yeah, that's what I want to hear. You need to get that suit and start hitting the streets. I'll dictate a letter for you to use as an introduction. You meet up with these prospects and do not do anything stupid. Remember, you are representing our firm and we do not want to look like idiots. He took a handful of fries and stuffed them into his mouth. Barry told me at lunch Wednesday how he was 
bullied and picked on in high school for being fat and uncoordinated. No, sir, I will not disappoint you. Once I get my foot in the door, I'll encourage them to come over to the office, talk about Homestead and all the people I know here, like the bankers. I can meet with Mike and see if I can get his dad to give me some names and call ahead to say, you need to meet this guy. Barry said, oh, I like that. Sounds like a solid plan. Now get out of here and get some work done. Close the door on your way out. I do not want to hear that clanging typewriter. Secretary shouted to me, Mike from the bank is online too. She went back to banging on the typewriter. I went into my turkey pen and grabbed the phone. Mike said, my dad just left my desk. Said he thinks you'll do great. He's going to help however he can. He also told me, glad to see you hanging around with a better class of people. Hey, why don't you come up later and we can have some fun? Uh, can't do it tonight. I promised my mom I'd help her with something. So, hanging with a better class of people. Wow. I'd already decided not to make myself readily available for him to use and then discard. I wanted to meet up, but I needed to be careful. You know, he said, I hope you didn't end it because of me. I had ended my relationship with Don just for that reason because of him. So I pulled out the 13-column paper and sharpened my pencils. I had over 300 checks to sort out before the end of the day. Barry would not give me a break just because I was meeting up with the bankers. These checks were from a medical office whose secretary, Nancy, had the hots for me. I could use her as a beard. She was pretty enough. So I arrived back at the house and Elsa was at the dining table finishing up with her dressmaking. So I flew back to my bedroom and had an almost uncontrollable urge to call Mike and rush up to be with him. I changed into my shorts and t-shirt. My libido was stronger than my good sense. So I went out and plopped down at the dining table and filled her in on my meet with Paul and Mike. I also told her that I was forcing myself not to go out with him and why. She told me again that I needed to take a break from being committed to one person. Why don't you play the field? You don't even know what you want. Well, she was right about that. Then the phone buzzed and Elsa picked it up before I could. And she just chattered away. Yes, Joe has been talking about you and filling me in on what you have been up to. They spoke for several minutes. She talked about the time he was in the hospital from the car wreck and how lucky he was. She told him I was not home and that she would have me call him later. I asked, why did you do that? She said, because you do not need to be available to him. It'd be best if you spent more time around here with Tuffy and me. He is way older than you and he'll either dump you or tell you what to do all the time. I mean, six years older. God only knows how many other guys or girls he has bedded. How could anyone go this long without ever having a roommate? 
I mean, he's 29 years old. There's got to be something wrong with him. Mark my word. It is a mistake to hurry things that need time. She did have a point, a valid point. I waited to call Mike back. I did not know him well. He was a player. Every hot guy in the bar had been to bed with him. I would rather have both, bed and a relationship. I was a conquest for him, and now he could tell anyone within earshot, oh, I had that. So I went out to the backyard and played with Tuffy, my minor bird, Horace, who lived in the Florida room, squawked while I threw her toy. Horace would mimic my voice and call Tuffy, Here, Tuffy, here, Tuffy, here, Tuffy. Then I started wondering about Horace and Tuffy. If I moved in with Mike, what would I do about them? Would Mom want to keep them at the house? Would Mike not want them around? After a while, I went back in and called Mike. I could hear other people around because he had his door open. Maybe guys walk in and have sex with him. Who knows? He asked me again if I could come up and hang with him. He'd love to have a repeat of Friday night. It actually got me excited. Then I heard him close the door and he told me he had been thinking about me. Because Friday night, when we were back in his apartment, he started kissing me and then walked me back to the bedroom and placed me on the bed. Then he stretched out beside me and slipped his hand inside the front of my jeans. After a few minutes of that, he pulled my jeans and underwear off. His eyes and then his hands moved all over me, touching as much of me as he could and as quickly as he could. We were like two abandoned puppies. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of Navigating Muddy Waters. This is a true story of my college years. If you like my show, please tell your friends. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Wondery, or wherever you are listening now. Everything in my show is based on actual events. I'm your host, Joe Calderwood. I'm also the writer, recorder, producer, and editor. Music is by Freddie Elmberg. I also have another podcast by the name of Stained Fortune, and you can find that wherever you listen to your podcast. in a mess now I need to calm down So I sit myself down at the bar I feel this hurt now It grabs me by the arm He says I know it sounds crazy but I met you Thank you.
break that we have It means nothing now Cause you've shown how much you care That phone call you gave me Oh, it brought me such joy And ever since I haven't looked back The spark in my heart, it set me right I want you to hold me by your side I love you Show you.